Back to the hideout and welcome to episode 13. I'm your rebel host, Tyler Soflo. <sighs> I got nothing. To my left is Paul. Hi. <laughs> you can move you can have it closer. <laughs> What's your what what last name do you want me to use? Just Paul. I need a last name, Paul. You don't need one. Okay. <laughs> uh yeah, strap in, okay? Because this is gonna be a long one. Paul and I have got a lot to talk about, mainly because also in our personal lives we haven't talked that much recently or ever. And uh, usually when we get together, we then just rant for about hours. So we're gonna try to keep this as short as possible. I have a bunch of notes in the book of truth. Um, but strap in, the lighting's gonna change, the camera might die. I don't know. But there's gotta be a lot of interesting topic points, especially for people who are interested in hearing about those that you train with in the community. Uh, and then they went off and did their own thing in life and hear what it is from their perspective in terms of having trained for so long and all those things. Plus some interesting ideas, uh, about future. Yeah, you can use coaster, uh, <laughs> future community ideas, uh, plans, etc. Uh, we here have some cheese and guava pastries cause your boy treats his guests right. Okay. Anyway, this is the place to come to for a new way to follow the movement. Here we'll be talking about everything and anything in the parkour and freewheeling world from content reactions to updates, interviews, reviews, advice, and more. But we do it our way, so keep tuning in to see what that means. Today's task will be about future communal plans, catching up with an old friend, etc. I still don't know what the title of this podcast is going to be. But anyway, Paul, how you doing, man? I'm doing good. <laughs> yeah. I was, I have, I've had to do that with other people as well. you got to like have it here. Yeah. Jesus. How was the drive here, though? Because driving Long. over that fucking bridge is ridiculous. Long. I took Gandhi. It was a lot faster. Yeah, see, I haven't lived here long enough to know what the fuck that even is. It's the southern bridge across to Tampa instead of, like, the main two. Okay. And how long did it take to get here? 45 minutes. And then from here to back home after this podcast is over, how long is that? Depends on traffic. I think, it could be, like, an hour. I think it'll be after traffic. I hope so. Because we do have a lot to talk about. Oh, you can hear me, right? Yes, I can. Okay, good. I, I honestly, I know it's recording. On both the camera and the thing, but I forgot to go through with you with the, like the software check. Be like, can you hear me? Test one, two, three. I yeah. didn't even do that. I just sat down and I just started to go. Um, all right. So, as per usual, Rebels, we're going to go ahead and open up. <laughs> Paul doesn't know this. We're going to open up the Book of Truth. <laughs> Wait for it. I have a soundboard here, Paul. Oh, Lord. All right, Book of Truth has been opened. So the first um, talking point here, obviously, we're going to introduce Paul and who the fuck he is. <laughs> so, Paul, how about you go ahead and give us your age, how many years you've been training, uh, when, what year you started, all that stuff. All right, cool. So, yeah, my name is Paul. I started back in 2008, maybe 2007. Wait, really? Yeah. Why did I think it was 2010? No. Uh, well, that's I when I so sorry. That's when I started to coach around 2010. Oh, but you started parkour and freerunning in 2007. Yeah. 
Okay. And so yeah, I started to do parkour back then where I didn't know what parkour was. I was just jumping over bushes, just yelling out parkour like I was in the office. <laughs> and it was, um, I mean, that's all I knew about parkour at the time. Like if you go back and look at YouTube videos and like see like 10, 12, 13 years ago, yeah. the only time like you'll see like parkour videos were like Urban Ninja, right? And like those old Russian videos and that was it. And just huge jumps. So, right. So after that, um, got into parkour, right, through watching Jackie Chan movies and saying, you know what, that's what I want to do. So, okay, so in 2007, 8-ish, it's kind of foggy for you, is when you started. Yeah. You were how old when you started? 16, 17. Okay, and so right now, you know, being honest, how many years do you think you've been training? Oh, training? It was a good decade. 10 years. A good 10 years. Yeah, 10 years. And you're telling me that the thing that got you into parkour and free running was Jackie Chan? Yeah, he's he's the best. Can you briefly go over your origin story real quick? Everyone that's come on this podcast for the first time has to briefly go over the origin story. It's like a parkour thing. So, yeah, my origin story for, like, getting into parkour? Like, like yeah, yeah. So, like, I mean, I know you said that you were jumping over bushes and stuff like that. And I've heard, like... Older generation guys going like, oh, we've always done parkour. We just never had a name for it. And they just talking about how they went on trees and shit. No, no, no. I mean, like, literally, you started parkour because you saw videos and it was defined as parkour when you found out parkour. Oh, okay, okay. What was your story? So, when I found out it was parkour, that was probably just before I graduated high school. Uh, I had a friend who, who ended up... Um, going with me and just going like yeah we're just going to try out different moves yeah starting to learn how to run up walls uh vaults and then um you know we were both like very excited because we were watching you know jackie chan movies together right and youtube was just getting popular so i was like all right cool like this is fun i'm enjoying this right and then i went to the army and then got some army money and then i went to tampa where i started to officially train parkour at was it, was, was it? XL360? Yes. XL Wait, okay. I'm okay. This is for everyone watching this or listening to this right now. You need to understand this is actually the first time I've heard this story from you. I actually don't know any of the shit you just said about yourself. Do you understand? I'm oh. tripping right now. Hold up. Okay. You found out what parkour was in high school your last year. So you're talking senior year yeah. with your friend because yeah. of Jackie Chan movies. You guys were learning it. Then you went into the army at 18. Yeah. Okay, hold on. All right. I'm processing. Then you went into the army at 18. <clears throat> and then when you went, why did you go to Tampa? Sorry, that's where I got lost. I went to Tampa because I had a friend who was going to uh, UF, right? Was it US? uh, no, USF? USF, the one USF. I'm going to now, yeah. yeah. USF. And then I was like, you know what? There was two parkour gyms. There was Miami, and then there was one in, you know, wherever 360XL is located. Uh, I'm Odessa. Still, I'm still going to say Tampa, right? Tampa, yeah, it's fair. Area. Yeah, it's same area. It's fine. Right? But, um, yeah, like, that was, like, a... A great moment of like you know what i want to get out the house go over learn parkour try to make a living up here and then you know that's how i started how, but you said you went into the army at 18 so you were in the reserves in tampa uh no down, down south, south florida, florida. Yeah, so then i just drove back every month really yeah because you had a friend there that was yeah so i lived up here um lived up here in tampa and then move and then anytime i need to go back home to do something just drive down, do my army obligations, and drive back up. That's kind of what I'm doing now, except without the army part. Yep. More just and really just more parkour. Um. Wow. So you train at XL. So that means you started parkour at like the same time that like the Tampa and Orlando community started blowing up. Mm -hmm. 
with Daniel Royal and all of them. And he, um, he, him, and Marvin Ross were actually one of my teachers, right? Learning parkour. What them. the fuck? I am tripping right now, Paul. Are you serious right now? Yeah. Why did I know this ever? I've known Paul since 2013, and I'm just now knowing this. What the dick, man? All right, okay, all right. So let me just go with this. Daniel Royo and Marvin Ross were your teachers at XL360. You lived up here, drove down to South Florida when you needed to, and you kept on going back and forth, and you're like, all right, I'm going to get good. Yeah, so I wanted to, like, really get good in parkour, right? I took all their classes. I was there, like, two, maybe three times a week, right, learning how to do that. Marvin Ross was my um, was the main instructor at the time while Danny was kind of off doing Danny stuff, and yeah. he was – um. What's it called? Doing was it parkour? What's the what's the TV show called? By WFPF? No, no, no. Uh, yes, by WFPF on MTV. I can't remember because I was I was the ultimate parkour challenge. That's I think what it was. Yeah. 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 You're right. Yeah. So like he was still like doing stuff with that, and then like he'll pop in and uh, do stuff. After a while, I was like, you know what? Couldn't find a job. Moved back uh, down south, and then that's where I kind of got introduced to um the parkour community in Broward with Trace Unity, and then that's when um. You know, I started to do parkour at Triple Threat. And how old were you at this point? So I can just get a time frame and for people listening can get a time frame? 19. So this is like about like a year and a half of time that you going back and forth from Tampa to South Florida training with Mario Ross and Danny yep. and the community here. Yep. You can move the microphone closer if you want. Yeah. Um, and so was there any other memorable people in the community that you were training with here before you went to South Florida? Oh, over there? It, like in Tampa? Here where we are now. Yeah. Which is crazy <laughs> most uh most of the people i kind of like loosely met kind of mm. went off and did their own things you know yeah 10 12 years in parkour is like you know 50 years in human time it really is isn't it that's yes. really weird i think it's because we go out and do so much high high level physical and mental stuff that time goes by differently when you train you know what i mean whether it's in gym or outside that's crazy did you know any of the real hops guys before they were real hops then like caleb uh, Gareth, Jimmy, maybe, maybe not Gareth, but Caleb for sure. Um, I might've run into them, but once again, like really? I okay. didn't know them really. So I was just kind of off doing my yeah. own thing, trying to learn Webster's and front tucks and yeah. stuff like that. Were you training mainly at the gym and XL 360 or also outside? Mostly at the gym. You know me, I'm a gym rat. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I I don't, I don't like I don't like agreeing with people when they say stuff like that. <laughs> but that so you were mainly training at XL 360 when you first started, and then you moved to Broward County, and then obviously this is where your origin story kind of finalizes, and then your training progression takes off, where you met Trace Unity, and you started going at Triple Threat, and of course Nova Gymnastics. Yeah. And then that's where everything kind of just took off in terms of training. Yes. So yeah. So when wow, I, crazy. I, when I moved that. to Broward, right, and went to Triple Threat, it was just a small space, no parkour. It's trash. Right, and they had like three blocks. The cheerleading right? gym. And was, yeah, and then someone was like, "Hey, like they were closed for one day for a meet." And then um, a friend was like, "Hey, uh, we're gonna go to Nova Gymnastics." I was like, "Where is it?" He's like, "Oh, it's like right next door." <laughs> and I was like driving around that that uh, building, going like, "Where is it? Where is it?" And I was like, "Oh, it's, it's literally right it's next door." Literally right next door. That happened to me too when I first discovered Nova Gymnastics. I was in triple threat. Oh God. Yeah, no, I swear to God, I was. I don't think you know this about me either. The first time I discovered Nova Gymnastics was when I was in Triple Threat, looked around, realized there was a bunch of trickers taking up all of the room that was already not that much. There was yeah. only a tumble track and some blocks. Looked at my buddy Jesse, and I was like, hey, man, this is going to be a no. And so, and mind you, that night he paid for our open gym in coins. It was like five bucks at the time, so it was a pretty good deal. It was $10 and change, though. Oh, God. It was hilarious. That's terrible. And then we walked out, went into Nova. So I think it was Juan, you know, Tony and B-Rod's buddy that was running the desk. 
oh my god that's like so much time between me going into nova and then that, that moment yeah that i know moment. exactly i, like, wow. I don't want to skip that too much but the point is is that my story is similar to yours because i was like hey man we just want to check out the gym we don't know this we didn't know this place existed until now and he's like yeah you could be in there for 10 minutes hey we stayed in there for the whole four hours without paying and I figured out what Nova Gymnastics was. And then since then, I would train there. And then you unfortunately met me later on. But anyway, you found out Nova Gymnastics and you just started train, tra training there. Yeah. So it was me and um, the Shadow Monkey group at the time. Right? Oh, my With God. Yeltsin. Yeltsin and Javier. Yeah. Wow. Right? So, yeah, we end up um, training there for, for a while right? before Nova really took off because then they had a poster going, like, looking for a parkour instructor. And I was like, me, I'll do it. Right. Off bat, I was like, I will just do it. I don't know what really have to teach parkour there was not a lot of parkour instructors like in florida at the time to yeah to do that and i was like I'll no, yeah. figure it out and you know what at that time in general in the nation in usa there wasn't a lot of parkour gyms or classes there wasn't any parkour nope. gyms really nope. there was, barely um, there was the tampa and then miami one miami. yeah but like, as far as like structured classes with like passionate coaches that wasn't really a a normal thing as it is now and so you've been training for a couple years now you clearly are passionate about parkour and running, and you were going back from Tampa and South Florida and it brought you here and you saw basically an old, like a job sign and you're like, I'm going to be a parkour coach. Yep. You're very young at this. And that was, and then that's when like your Nova coaching career took off. Not, let's not t say take off, but like, <laughs> just, I don't want to get into that. Maybe that's a skip, whole, yeah. Maybe skip the cross ground a little bit. It's cause if we, if we keep diving into those stories, we'll never get to the actual talking points. Okay. I just want to, yeah, I just want to, so I would love to though. We're going to fast forward through a little bit. So yeah. after that, got into parkour, figured out, um, how to bring people from intensity over to, um, to Nova, right? Said, Hey, look, we have more you mean equipment. Triple threat. You mean? Yeah. Triple yeah, Int intensity. Oh, God, That's that a different gym one. that you worked at. Because Pa at one point basically worked at all of the gyms that ever existed. <laughs> anyway, continue. <laughs> he was somehow simultaneously running four gyms at the same time. N not including the one I worked at, of course. But still, it was enough for him to be like, fuck this. So, yeah. So, it was uh, from Triple, triple threat. threat. You're getting right? people from there into Nova. You're, like, yeah. networking them. I was like, parkour people, just come over here. Leave the trickers over there, right? We have more space. We have exactly. a pit. We have a pit bar. We have a two tumble tracks at the time, yep. right? And it was a... Spring floor. It was amazing, right? And yeah. it, it was just a little bit more, right? But it was worth it, right? It Expanded was. hours. And then I remember looking at my boss going, like, hey, look, when I started to work here, your open gym was making 50 bucks a night, now you're making a grand a night, right? Like, Dude, that's right. Those open gyms were huge. And that was because of you. Yep. That was based, that was because of Paul. Listen, for those of you that are not from Florida, there was um, from, I would say, from 2010 to 2014, Nova Gymnastics was a gym in Davie, Florida that was fucking popping, okay? I one time went to an open gym on a Friday night, which every parkour dude in Nova advised me not to do, but I was like, nah, I'm gone. Yeah. I gotta go. Went, hey literally an ocean of children okay have you ever seen that spongebob episode where it's all that meat 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 in the fucking crusty crab and it's just an ocean of those fucks that's what that open gym looked like and i looked at judo chris and i was like this has never happened again in my entire life but that's because paul knew how to network dude and that gym was making how much a night it was about a thousand to like you know 1300 a night what and the hell then we expanded it from saturday night right to sunday afternoon to friday to eventually wednesday Right. Yeah, you're doing three open gyms a week. Was it three? No, four. You're doing four. four. You're doing Wednesday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And Sunday was your idea. I remember that. Yeah. I went to a couple. That's where if you want to get some personal on your own training, you would go to those. Like you would find the dedicated guys there. And it, and that means there wasn't a lot because Sunday's a Sunday. 
Yep. Um, I made sure it was like church hours. Yeah. So that people can just go like, all right, cool. I'm coming in, doing my thing, getting out. That's right. Um, and then obviously because of that, your coaching, your networking and open gyms, all of your experience from Tampa going into Broward, Trace Unity, Fearbox came about. Can't get into that because that's a different topic. But basically, there was a team that developed with from Nova Gymnastics. Paul was one of the members. Uh, and then they also created this community within the gym, essentially. And then everything that Paul has done took off from there. Uh, his story continues after that. We might get into that later on. But now we're going to get into these, like, because of all of his experience since his origin that you just heard till now, currently, he has had a lot of ideas. He's had a lot of different projects he's done that I would like for you guys to hear because these things still haven't been done yet and they possibly could be. So before we get into any of that, because that's the next topping point, the last one about you personally is your relationship with us. Hey, hey, this, this was Paul. This was Paul every time Tony and I opened our mouths at Open Gym. Can you shut the fuck up? <laughs> <laughs> Dude, <laughs> straight up, Tony and I are just like excited little annoying ass teenagers. Paul's already 20, and he's like, You guys need to either shut up or leave. Holy crap. I was like 20. Uh, was it? What year was that? 2014? When I went, okay, let me just put in reference for you. When I started going to Nova Gymnastics, literally January of 2013, I was 15 years old. Oh, God. I was coming back from Afghanistan. So you were 20. No, I was uh, 23. I'm going to have a pastry. Right. <laughs> yeah. You know, you can put. Oh, shit. If you want, you can put the cup in there. Yeah. It makes it easier. You're 23? Yeah. I'm almost 30. How old are you now? I just turned 29. Fuck me. No. I mean, if you want to. If if Gabe comments on this, then <laughs> yes, then okay. Yes. Um, okay. Anyways, jokes aside from how Paul treated us at Open Gym in the early days. Uh, <laughs> so yeah. What's so, your relationship with us? So really I briefly. remember uh, meeting Tony and like, God, man, Isaiah at the time, and there were just these young kids in my gym who were just being stupid and reckless and then this guy with these really baggy pants for no reason <laughs> right came into the gym and started to train and then training wrong right like trying to hurt himself and i'm like hey maybe we should like try to do this and they're looking at me and like no fuck you paul and i was like all right <laughs> here's this guy who's literally been taught by marvin ross and january royal telling us hey maybe you should try this flip this way when you punch do this when you land like that and we're looking at him like you don't know anything <laughs> so, oh that must have been so annoying it was it was so frustrating it was very it must have been very aggravating right and then um you know later on the the community man getting into a little bit of the community history at the time was um the community had a lot of shifts at the time. And then in 2014, there was no Broward community, which was weird because, you know, a year before we had over maybe like 150 members. Well, not only that, there was also the thing is with that, what you're saying is there's different facets in Florida, which I explained in the episode one or two of this podcast. I can't remember is that there was the Wolfpack from Miami free running. Yep. Then there was Fearbox with you, you guys and Davey. Then there was Trace Unity in the Margate Coral Springs area. Mm hmm. Shadow Monkeys. Shadow Monkeys was like right. a tiny, M tiny group. MFR was still in their own area. With the Wolfpack, yeah. Oh, so yeah. there was all these different facets. There was a community thriving, but they were all like 
separate like niche yeah like like it was high school like it was oh. like nobody can get involved with us like you know what i mean it was like everyone was in their own groups it wasn't a unification like nobody could just hit up another we'll get back to that because yeah that's still going on but not not like that not as much not as much we'll get into that but yeah. basically what i'm saying is in 2015 that you're saying the law that there was in the community of florida it's because all of these different groups that i just mentioned kind of started dwindling down to like nobody or just one person what really happens is um, you hit a point where you're trying to put a lot of effort into parkour, especially during that time, and then there's no money in the sport at that time. Mm-hmm. So you're like, hey, I need to make a living. I need to, instead of putting 30, 40 hours into training each week, I have to put it into my own business, my own job, so I can make a living. Because you hit a point where like I'm 24, 25, 26, right, and I'm not making a living. That's actually one of the reasons that I you know, got out of the Parker community. I was just like, I'm running multiple gyms and I'm still having trouble paying my own bills. Right. That is a struggle. That is, that is almost like a different talking point almost. Cause that can that get is, really heavy. That is true. But you're saying that in 2015, because of these like breakoffs of the community in Florida was kind of dwindling with that. Who came along <laughs> and did something about it, Paul? So yeah. So those annoying <laughs> kids at the gym, right. Looked at me and was just like, Hey, I want to start the parkour community. I was like, and you were like, you were like, fuck, it didn't work. <laughs> Do it again, Paul. And you were like, can you shut the fuck up? <laughs> that was, that's great, right? That was Paul straight to our faces. Just like, oh, you do? <laughs> then walks away. Paul's re- actually done that. You'll be talking to him. The sentence will finish. That came out of your mouth. And then all of a sudden you just see the back of his head because he's walking away. Anyway, continue. But I figured out. I was like, you know what? No one else is doing it. Right. I talked to other people who I was like, hey, I think people would follow you if you start the community up again. No one was going to take that opportunity. And I know I couldn't feel it uh, just because I'm not charismatic. So I was like, you know what? These kids want to do it. That's when I started to talk to Tony a lot more and said, all right, cool. Like, explain your idea about SoFlow, how to bring the community together. And then I was like, hey, let us let me pitch ideas to you. I want you right. to do your own thing. That's right. And then f- figuring out that you guys are very successful at creating content, right, and actually people listening to you and building a base. I was like, you know what? <sighs> they're, they're good at what they do. This is the only compliment I've ever said about SoFlow. I'm pretty sure it's taken very long time for him to say just that now. I've never even heard that from him. (laughs) I won't make you repeat it. It's okay. I'll just play this over again. (laughs) (laughs) I have it recorded. But yeah, that happened in 2015. And then your relationship with us developed because of the fact that you knew us from Nova Gymnastic Open Gyms prior to SoFlow Move and Creation. And then ever since then, you've been kind of just like you dipped in and out of our projects, giving us words of advice and all these things. Hey, try this, try that, try this. And all those things that he's done with Soulful Movement or other people are the things that we're going to talk about right now. That was a briefing on Paul. Um, very briefing because like there's a lot of other things he can talk about. Maybe we'll do another podcast about just literally working at a gym. Oh my God. I think we'll just do that one because that's a different topic point that you can keep going on forever and I want you to do that. So maybe another time we do that. But for now, I want to talk about Paul's ideas. So we're going to go ahead and move into the next uh, thing, which is old school training versus now. Now this one I want you to touch on just quickly because the last two bullet points are more important for the people listening. Um, I want you to just go ahead and give people, whether they're watching it or listening to it, a kind of paint them a picture of what it was like to train back in 08, 09 in Tampa, 10 in Nova Gymnastics, et cetera. So 
I can briefly explain it with two moves. Castbacks weren't a thing. I remember the day that Daniel Royal like put that video out, right? And then yeah. it was just like everyone's like, "This is the thing. This is a move." Like, right. it like pushed parkour to like a different level, right? And then also Webster's, right? <laughs> Webster's are like my subject matter expert, right? Yes. Until um, this other guy stole it, right? But um, Joyce Spawn. <laughs> Right. But uh, what really, um, what Webster's were taught, like showing your, like throwing your power leg backwards instead of using your power leg as your primary jumping legs, right? When I figured out that uh, that out when I was uh, training, I was like, wow, like why is everyone doing these Webster's, you know, backwards, right? I see. And then um, that's when I started to teach Webster's, now considered the correct way, right? And, and yeah, now it took off. So yeah. Training was a lot more. We're we're talking about a day where castaways were just completely foreign, and yep. Webster's was the primary trick to to train. Like if you could do a Webster on ground, right? You were the and shit. like and stand like stand up, like God level. That's that, the type of training was, we're talking about. That was God level, right? Past that, it was more about big jumps, um, big kongs, right? Big like single kongs or big double kongs, or like a height drop. Yeah, that was it. And like that was it. and and. Now let's now give me a, now paint everybody a picture about how you trained uh, in a gym safely. But like how like <laughs> but like what was your training like? Oh, so um, I because at the same time when I was working at the gym, I had to teach uh, gymnastics and I was um, helping out the boys uh, gymnastics team. I did a lot of physical training and that's really what's um, made my coaching uh, status or like way I coach. Right, my building blocks. Military. All right. Oh yeah, military law enforcement. Uh, circus. If you don't stick this jump, that. you're doing 50 push-ups or yeah. whatever the hell you'd make <laughs> kids do. You wouldn't even do that. You just yell at them, make them do 10 push-ups anyway. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, what happened? You're breathing too many times. I don't like it. It's 10 push-ups. <laughs> but um, yeah, like so, I end up um, you know, figuring uh, not figuring out those things, but um, really just working on strength building, and that's where I kind of um differentiate myself from other parkour athletes. I was like. Nope, I could out jump, out push, you know, most people at the time because the finer techniques that, you know, came out, you know, 2015 and on in like parkour, right, didn't exist then. So it was more about physical strength than actual techniques and certain moves. Right. I I feel like especially in Florida as well, because, you know, the the sport was more advanced in Europe. In America, it was kind of like lagging behind for obvious reasons because we caught on to it later. The whole technical... Uh, aspect behind training that Tony and I do now, which is, you know, like sticking on the balls of your feet only. There's a certain position that you sit in when you stick. All these different things weren't really like important back in 08 when you were training here yep. and stuff like that. It was mainly just about being of a, being a powerhouse and you weren't really worrying about how pretty it looked. Yeah. Well, except for some flips, of yep. course. And so your open gym sessions were primarily based around that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, not, not the open gym sessions, my classes. Open your gym classes. was more just like a great community event of coming in and be like, I remember new people will come in and be like, Hey, like I want to learn this move. I'm like, wait, I don't, I might not know the move, but like that guy over there knows it and he'll show you like, and you point him to the right direction. So you're telling me that training back then was basically just a bunch of people came. Like it wasn't, it wasn't a person looking at a precision and going like, I'm going to stick this 20 times in a row right now. And I'm not moving until I do that. No, it was more like just having fun. Um, 
having a bunch of people like trying right. to do the same move as you and then once like most of the people stick it you keep on progressing and making it bigger longer more complicated yeah right? that takes me back right now that's right that is very old school like that's basically what training was like in open gyms you get a big ass group of people there's this one move no no this is what it was too because i bet he did it in xl360 too i bet it didn't change that much into nova days is where there'd be two p-bar blocks and then be a fucking ocean of dudes lining up to show how big their dick is to do a double kong or a kong front dash out whatever the hell and you would just do a move across the two p bar blocks which are gymnastics blocks on a spring floor land your thing or f it up and then walk around and then wait back in the group of people was yep. that how it was in xl 362 it, it was exactly yeah, like that's that. exactly <laughs> what training was then in open gyms, man. As opposed to now, different story. Because now we have gyms that are literally full-on parkour structures. And you will find people individually training a specific run or one move. And they're doing it over and over again, getting the technique right. It's changed. Back then, it was more like just like this power-hungry, fun time kind of thing, communal event, right? Yeah. Every night. Well, not every night, but all those gym nights. Yeah, yeah, it was. And what's your opinion right now? What do you prefer in terms of longevity for the, not for nostalgia, longevity for the sport? Longevity for a sport, what's going on now is better. It's because you guys are training smarter, yeah. right? Uh, you guys are pushing, to me, the bounds of what humans were thought they can do, mm -hmm. right? I, I love what, uh, showing people in my, in my field of work going like, hey, this is what parkour is. And they're like, people can do that. I'm like, yeah, right? Yes, right. they can. Right. Right. And then, um, yeah, I think what's going on now in the parkour community, right, as a whole, right, is amazing. The training level, the quality, the longevity in yeah. the sport, right? Injuries are going down while quality of the sport is going up. up. So you prefer that now, putting, putting that aside, like the vision for parkour in the future, what do you miss about the old type of, the old ways of training, the old days? What, do you, what is um, the thing you miss about it? You know, the hardest part about saying this is because I'm only isolated to one part, right, of the parkour community, the Florida part, mm -hmm. right? Though it was a bigger, uh, bigger community, it was still not like, you know, all of the U.S., right? I wasn't one of those lucky people who were able to travel across the U.S. to do parkour. But what I miss is that community event. I do see them in some of the events that you guys host, right, mm -hmm. of people like helping each other out, right? But... I'm it still feels like you're missing the the beginner level the entry level moves and the entry level community events yeah right having the ability for new people to come in and say oh I think I can make I can jump from here to the grass and I think I can roll right right and then everyone being excited for that person right. right now it's more like all right cool that guy's gonna stand on that uh ledge up there he's going to stride across those one inch bars <laughs> right and, um drop 10 feet right stick of precision right punch uh front like double full like <laughs> it's right, different cool. yeah right and then you watch them do it and you're like wow that was crazy and then that was it yeah right what sucks is that the the younger people the newer people right are intimidated by these moves and they say well that's not the sport for me wow so in comparison from your past till now that's what you that's the biggest thing you notice yeah yeah i was also going through the parkour reddit sub uh, this morning and honestly like the comments are maybe like a year or two back mm -hmm. but that was pretty much the consensus of like um there's no place for them to train they don't feel comfortable training with mm -hmm. other people because they feel like they're inadequate right, right? there's just a huge gap between beginner level and then what the new parkour standard is 
Interesting. I wonder what people's thoughts are about old school versus new school right now, um, especially more a little bit geared towards the USA right now. Very interesting. And I'm the thing is, I'm glad like you're able to compare that because you live them. You know, uh, I I didn't really like I I experienced that type of open gym training a bit before it changed. Yeah. And I, I, I obviously already invested myself in the European culture, hence the baggy pants and whatnot. While everybody else looked at me and be like, the fuck are you wearing? And I'm like, why the fuck aren't you watching the other people that invented this shit? And they're just like, well, because we're cool. <laughs> yeah. A little yeah. bit. A lot and, of A-type personalities. Um, and also, I think you guys were also like uh, heavily uh, influenced by the superhero anime world kind of thing with like, because like, for example, if you are a fan of Dragon Ball Z, you are already as a child inspired to be like this better version of yourself to pu push past limits. And then parkour was like the outlet for that. You know what I mean? Or I was into Naruto and I, I related to some Naruto scenes when I first started parkour when I was real young. I was like 13 years old. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like that's also an influence as well. And I remember Naruto coming out when I was like in high school. God damn it. All right. Whoa. Okay. Past the age. I'm sorry, Paul. Let's move on. I'm sorry. Okay. Here's a talking point that people need to know, especially in the USA. And that is eventually getting more outdoor parkour parks. Okay. Now, Paul over here has attempted... Uh, a couple one, well, once with Gabe. Gabe is an amazing dude, and I want him on this podcast one yes, day. Uh, no, definitely for sure. And I don't care how long that fucking episode is. Basically, you and him attempted to get a outdoor parkour park near Dania Beach area. Is that right? Yeah. So what was um, the difficulties with that? So I'll leave that more for Gabe, just because he he did most of the work on that. Right. I was there just as a as a helper and saying, hey, I can you know go to meetings if I need to right. to the to do that. But my first four years of trying to get parkour out of the small microcosm where parkour lives, right? Right. It was when I was um, going through the police academy, saying like, "Hey, I, I had a presentation going like, hey, look, I could teach rookie cops basic parkour so that they can have longevity in um, in their careers, right? Right." And then they're just like, "Oh, you're a kid. You don't know anything." And then how like, old were you at the time when you tried to do this? Twenty-one. You're twenty-one trying to get the par the law enforcement to train parkour. Yeah. No shit. Yeah, and then I also tried that for the army. I got close for my for my reserve unit, but then they once again, anytime people like older people, the boomer generation, right? Um, Google parkour, YouTube parkour, it doesn't look good, right? And that has been the biggest problem of trying I see. to get local government into funding these things. And do you still want the law enforcement to know parkour basic moves right now? Would you still want to try to do that now? That's a loaded question. It is a loaded question. Yeah, that is. Right? <laughs> you um, want me to simplify it or do you want to just answer nope, it? Nope, we're okay. going to go skip past it. Maybe, oh, really? Yeah, I think it's, right now is not the time to talk about law enforcement. I meant just like in just the idea of them learning how to do parkour. Yes. Right? You, you would, okay. Yes, just because, you know, you know, my job, I'm wearing about 30 pounds of gear, right? And I know how to move myself with that 30 pounds of gear, mm -hmm. right? Because I trained that, right? Right. Officers who don't train that, right? who don't train in their gear, they could hurt their ankles, hurt their knees, right, by, by walking off a, a curb, right? Parkour, I see. A few things that parkour teaches you is to stay, um, stay focused on your objective but see what's in front of you, right? Right. So you, you're doing a move. You're like, all right, cool. I know I have to get there. I know I, all my spots there. But you individually focus on each one as it gets to that point. Yes. Interesting. Right? And then I was just saying I see a lot of videos of cops hurting themselves on simple things. And I was like, you know what? That's a two-hour class, three-hour class, 
right? Interesting. For, for them to fix that problem, just to get the mentality and few basic moves, right? right. Hopping a fence, going over a block, right? Drops, right? Yeah. Less than three feet, right? Drops, right? And then learning to that so that they could be less likely to hurt themselves during their profession. And you still would want to see the law enforcement uh, do parkour to this day. Like of you course, would still want yes. to see it happen. Yeah. But I think there's someone who's already starting to do that somewhere in the parkour culture. But what about here in Florida? Would you attempt that? I would. Good. That's yeah. good to hear. I'm glad because that is something that only I feel like you can do. You think these fucking idiots here are going to do that? Hell, officer, would you like new? Uh, okay, I'm sorry. I'm leaving. You know what I mean? I definitely you would, would do use it. your help, though. I mean, in marketing terms, but as far as like getting like you already are familiar with that world, you know, because of your experience in the army, et cetera, you already would know how to approach these people and talk to them and get the idea in their head. Because if the way we would probably pro, um, I think it's propose the idea would be different than how you would, but hey, yeah, you let me know whenever you're ready to do that. I'll fucking down. Yeah. But what is your thoughts on having an outdoor park parkour park in a community? Like maybe let's not centralize it to Florida because I feel like this can apply to any state in the U S what is your basic or opinions on having one as opposed to an indoor gym? So I think having a, um, an indoor gym is great yes. right? because it has its own thing. It's a great business model, right? It's great to bring in uh, young kids to, to do that. But you can also build bigger and taller structures inside of the gym, right? Cause you can put more padding and things of like that, right? right. Outdoor, outdoor gyms will be a mixture of a green space and, um, uh, low level architecture yeah. so that anybody in the, in that local community th can go and climb things, jump on things, right? right? Really get back into their human movements, right? Crawling under things, right? So that, um, kids adults right mm -hmm. can have a just another way to move because right now in the adult world right you go to a park you have the basic like resistant workout equipment and then that's it right, right? and as a kid it's the same cookie cutter playgrounds and that's right it. so you're saying like just removing the intimidation the intimidating title of parkour park you can actually just call it another playground yes. it's essentially just another playground isn't it yeah. Yes. And you would highly like promote that concept and you, well, I mean, you and Gabe, we're trying to make it happen. Yes. Um, what do you think is one benefit that an outdoor parkour park brings that a gym cannot? It's open, um, open space. It's also a safe space for adults or any athlete. So yeah. right now in the parkour community, right. And what's also looks bad for the parkour community is once again, these older people looking at parkour on YouTube. Thinking it's reckless. Reckless, breaking an entry. I almost didn't get the current job I had because they were just like, oh, you did parkour? They looked it up and say, we don't want this guy. Oh, asshole. That's ignorant, though. It is, right? I had to explain to them, no, I was, I was a, a gym It's a sport, rat. dude. Yeah, I was a gym rat, and I actually did it mostly inside. And yeah. they were just like, oh, okay, we'll, we'll let you do your job. Right? I know, it's stupid, yeah. right? But that's one of the problems that that with a safe space in parkour outside, right? The community can be like, Hey, this is how people are doing parkour. Right. I I want my kid to do this. Right. My right. kid doesn't like to do football, soccer, baseball, any of those team sports. He focuses more on himself. Right. Right. So, and parkour is such a great sport. For Interesting. That. So you're saying like, the benefit of having an outdoor parkour park and just having it as another playground will start to eventually diminish the reckless viewpoint 
that parkour has, or sorry, the reputation that it heavily had in the past, not so much now, but still has it a little bit. Having like a casual parkour park, AKA playground would significantly, or if anything, terminate the view of parkour is reckless. That's a very interesting topping point. And another thing too is imagine if when you, on your resume, it said parkour, it actually resonated differently. And they're like, Oh, he does parkour. We need him. Yes. Can you imagine that? I like, that would be sick. Like you put parkour on your resume and, and any type of, you know, I guess you, yeah, you could say like protection, law enforcement, bodyguard type jobs or whatever. And they're like, Oh, he does parkour. That's a, bl- that's a plus. This guy doesn't, we're taking the guy that does parkour. Yes. It's looked as a bonus. That yes. that's so sick. Right. I but think. Yeah. Unfortunately, right, right now, just once again, we keep falling into a trap of these brain dumps within the community. And then a new generation of kids come up, want to run a community. Yeah. And then they do the same thing what the previous generation did. Yeah. Reckless um, jumping on things, jumping off things, getting themselves hurt. Right. Right. And those are the reports that get filtered up. Well, of course, people always want to see the ugly and the and the stupid. But, you know, obviously, because there is that kind of like skater vibe and intertwined with the culture of it, because it's just that's how it is. It's an extreme sport. Yep. You know what I mean? To have parkour as a professional viewpoint, like, for example, law enforcement and having on your resume and having as like a plus that would get you the job because it's a tool that they see it as for that aspect to be viewed there needs to be other changes however i don't think that the you know more kid culture skater aspect of parkour needs to go away for that to happen though i still think that needs to stay because that's where business is you know we're talking about merchandise content culture etc also once again changing that way to the parkour playground can funnel more money and you can funnel away from those extreme aspects of the sport. Right. And you can kind of differentiate, okay, these guys go and do their own thing. They're high level, but I'm over here just, I'm beginner training on this park and it's safe. And it's viewed as us training a safe sport because it's at a playground, but it's a parkour park. Just like how martial arts have done it, right? You have Olympic level martial arts, right? And then you have UFC, right? Yes. They're all under the bubble of, martial arts right but people are like oh man my my kid's doing um ufc that might be dangerous my kid's doing taekwondo interesting as you can see guys he's thought about this a lot <laughs> like I, that's what i meant by like he's had a lot of ideas over over time um and I, that's what i wanted to elaborate on so like yeah these are viewpoints that you see parkour as that other people especially us don't because we're more so obviously dived into the entrepreneurial athlete side of it because yeah. you know we're passionate in that sense and yeah. like you said we make great content it's because we are creatives but there is another aspect that parkour could be useful and looked upon and it's how you're presenting it right now and i hope people find this interesting because it is very cool um the way you just did that with martial arts so all in all I mean, we, I know we went into law enforcement a little bit there, but all in all, uh, outdoor parkour park would be very beneficial, clearly, but isn't it difficult to do because of how you have to go to city council or whatever? And yes, there is, a, there is a, long, like, a long process you have to go through of not only going to city council during their meetings, right? Yeah. Um, making sure, see that they have, you know, new, safe, no, new um, playgrounds on their agenda, right? Right. Then from there, you have to put a requisite for like, hey, I want to put this thing. Then they have to go through, you know, insurance companies, all these other things, right? Holy crap. And then go like, all right, cool. Yes, we'll allow you to build one, right, to this standard for this uh, this much money, and this is your space. Then you have to build it, and then hopefully it works. Gabe and I want to do that now. 
Okay, yeah. Where would a where would be the bet? Because you've been around Florida. What would be a great place to put an outdoor parkour park in Florida? So South Florida, obviously. Oh, for South Florida. Yeah, because dude, North Florida, bro. You know the spots that up here are fucking brutal. I mean, they're awesome. UF University of Florida in Gainesville, basically parkour heaven. And I'm yes. comparing that to Spain, which, by the way, is sick as fuck. Then there is USF, the school I go to. Great spot. XL360. Downtown. You know, they, there's all these great spots. South Florida. Each. For each place, you have to look at the local government, right? Okay. Either county or city, right? So, you know, everyone knows about South Florida, right? There's different parts like Cooper City might be more likely to do it, right? Because they, they have more space and they might want to put more green space. Interesting. But Hollywood, Florida, right? They're already packed in, so they might not want to do it, right? When you're, when you're building a park, you also have to make sure that you're reflecting the city that it's going to be in. Interesting. So you knowing South Florida, what do you think is the best place to put an outdoor park, parkour park? And this is also me asking you in general because of how Gabe and I want to do this. I know it's a difficult question. But yeah, like that's that's the hardest part, right? All um, right, maybe not. Okay, how about this? Maybe Cooper, Weston or Cooper City. The reason why is because they're more affluent, right, mm -hmm. areas, right, with more kids and with more free time. And then instead of for them to drive all the way to Fort Lauderdale Beach, Hollywood, um, Young Circle, they have more local things to go to. Interesting. So you would, you would think that's a higher probability of making a parkour gym, ha I mean parkour park, happening yeah. like outdoor. Now, what would be your ideal place for an outdoor parkour park? I would say um, Fort uh, Fort Lauderdale or mm -hmm. or Hollywood, somewhere near the beach where it gets high traffic, right? Uh, yet with um highly um with like low crime around it. Right, because once you build a park, right? Yeah. Um, local government and the local police departments will have to start patrolling that area to make sure that no one's uh, va um, vandalizing the equipment. Right. Right, because that's an investment. Holy right? shit! I love you. I love saying, I love hearing you say all this stuff. It's yeah. very beneficial because it's funny. We are talking about specifically Fort Lauderdale, which is in Florida, but the stuff you're saying right now applies to anybody wanting to do an outdoor parkour park. Continue. Yeah. Uh, what's it called? After this, I'll look up some stuff I saw today that will will help people about like building parks or requisition parks. Right. So those are the things that you know of right now that play a big hand in making an outdoor parkour park. Now, I'm not going to lie to you. I see an outdoor parkour park happening near a beach area as well. I don't know why. It just suits it better. It's Florida, right? Yeah. We, we live by the beach. Right. So That's right. everything funnels towards the beach. Yeah. Right. So you want people to be funneling towards it and be like, hey, look, parkour park. And then from there, that you also want them to go to neighboring areas. Right. To right. visit shops. Right. So that's another thing. You yeah. want that place to be um, somewhere next to shops yep. where the kids and the adults can go and visit. Oh, I 100% agree. And an example for Tampa would be Clearwater. Yes. For sure. Clearwater. Right. Clearwater would have an outdoor Clearwater, parkour park. St. Saint, Saint Pete. Right, uh, St. Pete Beach. Yeah, honestly, Pinellas County, right, is an amazing county that funnels a lot of money into their green spaces. Yeah, I think they just uh, passed a bill to add like another like sixty green spaces over the next like uh, no six way. years. They put a lot of money into it. Right, that's sick. Honestly, Pinellas, if you're going to make something up here, Pinellas County, somewhere within which is Clearwater. Yeah, no, no, yeah, that's yeah. where my dad grew up. That's Clear, where he was born. Yeah. Where the hell are you going? Where are you going, Julian? He closed the door without saying anything. Anyway, uh, yeah, no, but obviously because of uh, because of Gabe, though, it's not going to happen here. It's going to happen in South Florida. And yeah. I'd much rather have it in South Florida because of there's a bigger community there. There's more people that are, that are going to use it. There's more people willing to drive there to do it. Um, 
and that's where I started, you know, yeah. all these things. The best part about making it down there and my original plan with Gabe was once we build that gym, right, you like Weston, Nova, right, MFR, right, every once a month, right, they hold a free class, right, for the community, right, once a month at that place, right? So that way, once a month, you're not only advertising for your own business, right, but you're gathering a bunch of new locals right, right. or continuing locals to come in and use that space, right? The local community will love that. But then after that, you can be like, hey, go to my gym, right? Right. Hey, you want to learn more? Come to my gym. Dude, you see what I mean by ideas? Dude, that's great. And I still want that. That still would be, that would no, be great to happen. Yeah. We're making great time. Um, yeah. All right, Julian's back. Where are you going? You're going to go have sex. <laughs> Julian fucking hooked his knee into his elbow and said deductive reasoning. So you I didn't can notice what I was showing you. Your penis. He is showing. Oh, you're penis. going to defy. Yeah. All right. Tomorrow we should train at Shinobi. Um, I don't really like you. <laughs> Fair enough. This is a great segment break. No, I love this. This is a great little break from what because Paul's been laying down some dope ass ideas. You got, you got, you want to get another pastry? You want to say something to the audience? You want to say something? Uh, Paul's a beauty. Okay. And uh, the room is obscure. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to take a pastry with you? <laughs> okay. I took one and it was like so sweet that it started hurting my teeth. Oh lord, that's weird. Yeah. All right. Well, I'll see you later. All right, what's next in the book of truth? Well, the last thing I wanted to say was for anybody out there making outdoor parkour park, what's one more loop that you can think of that someone would have to go through in order to make it happen? Apart from what you just talked about, of course. And if you can't think of one, that's fine because you've already laid down a bunch of cool shit. Honestly, um, experience, right? In my personal experience, right, people looked at my face and my age first before they looked at my experience, right? And I was like, hey, look. I know this can work. Let's work this out, right? And they're just like, no, you're too young, right? What the hell? And, the part, and circling back to the whole community side, right? One thing that sucks for those people who want to start getting into parkour, right? It's a young man's sport, right? Most of the time it's 17, now like 14, to like 25-year-old um, guys, especially in the Florida section, right? Mm -hmm. Who are doing the sport, right? But you have this huge untapped market of adults who are tired of doing CrossFit, tired of doing all these other things, right? And they're like, they're like, hey, this is fun. My kid can do it. Honestly, Axe Gabe. That's how I got him into parkour. Yep. Right. And I remember then, one um, of his first days there. Yeah. And then um, Anova having like that adult presence in that meeting, because yes, you might know what you're doing, and I, and I know you guys know what you're doing. But they just look at your face. It sucks. It's terrible. And working in the fields I've worked in, in the Army, um, secure, physical security, and all these other things, they they look at you and like, oh, you don't know what you're doing. You're only 20-something. So that's a loop that people would have to go through. You would have to get more – like, for example, perfect example, if we wanted to have the law enforcement do parkour, I would have to bring Paul with me because – he is way more credible to them and take him yeah. more seriously as opposed to me. So the same thing, we touched tips. <laughs> and so for parkour parks outdoor, you would need kind of like the same thing. Yes, but you know, you can get around it. Like um, I remember when you guys were coming over to Nova Gymnastics, uh, not Nova Gymnastics, Ninja 
right? Ninja Lounge. Yes, Ninja right? Lounge. And was presenting our ideas. You did it very professionally. You came in dressed professionally. You came in with um, documentation, with everything laid out. That's right. I right? In a presentable way. Yep. Right. And then my boss was like, "Yep, we're gonna we're gonna use them." Right. right. That is a proper way of doing it. Interesting. So you would have to obviously apply that to doing a behemoth of a project, which is creating an outdoor park or park. Yes. All right. We'll see what happens. Florida, Florida's going to get one. Okay. Mark my words. I figured so. Gabe Sage is the main man. He is. Okay. He's the Aquaman. And I don't think I have a sound button for him, but we're just going to pick one and it's just going to apply to him. Ah. There. <laughs> That was, Should have been a dolphin. that was Julian's voice. Oh God! <laughs> Should have been a dolphin. You're right. I got to yes. put that in there later. When he's on the podcast, I'll put a dolphin. All right. Last bullet point here. And it's actually touching on what you just said. You were saying that say that Florida had an outdoor parkour park or another state in the U.S. Because this applies to other states in the U.S. Has an outdoor parkour park. The different gyms that surround that city or state can go once a month to the outdoor parkour park and host a free class to promote their business or their gym. Now, that is a communal event that is a community idea so in the past you've told me ideas about what your ideal situation would be of a connected community so instead of more of a connected community connected communities right okay so having you know soflo movement right as a primary head of let's say florida right right getting in touch with um texas right okay so like you might go like hey i'm having this problem right in parkour community, right? Hey, is anyone over there that knows how to fix this problem? Yeah, dude. Yeah, I dealt with this. Right, here's some information. Sorry, I'm burping. <laughs> That's fine, dude. I burp so many times when I bring a bang. Thank God I didn't bring a bang here because I'd be burping all over. Right. Continue. But yeah, so um, so yeah, like you end up um connecting those communities together. Yeah. Right. I just still don't understand why to this day that. You know, East Coast is not talking to West Coast, right? We're Central Florida, no, not Central, Central America, not as in. You're you know, you're getting America. there, yeah. like the center of the center United of the States. United States, right? It's not talking to everyone else, right? Apex talking to WFPF, WFPF talking to everyone else. Like, I don't know why that is still not a thing. You don't know why? No, I do not. Do you? Please tell me. Please tell me there's an answer. I think that there's a reason. Maybe there's not a solid answer yet. I think the reason is, is because that's incredibly difficult. And you're also dealing with a lot of people's egos because there are egos in the parkour world. Yes, yes. The ego problem should end, right? For parkour to move on to its next level, right? Mm-hmm. So that more gyms can have more money because, you know, kind of breaking into that episode of talking and working in a gym, right? I was so tired of being such an educated coach, right? And then having my students pay like, 10 bucks right mm-hmm. right and then i'm getting paid minimum wage right to spread this knowledge right right while gymnastics instructors circus instructors right are getting paid 40 to fifty thousand dollars a year because parkour right? is not that high level of yeah. gymnastics yet no 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 it's not known it's, it's not, not known not enough known, it's i mean it's right? a very very new sport right as it's, it's honestly parkour should uh look at uh, break dancing right b-boying right now because that is probably our next step of uh, connecting together, making unities between each other, and then eventually making it to the Junior Olympics, then eventually making it to the Olympics, if that is a goal for the Parker community, or going into X Games, or making our mm-hmm. own event, right? Right now, the problem in parkour community, right, and I, I really want to touch on this, was there's no end goal. Okay, continue. Right? 
uh, a kid starting gymnastics, right, at like the age of three, right, can dream to get to the Olympics, right? right? What you just built there is a 18 to 20 year uh, investment, right? Right. Hundreds of thousands of dollars that they're going to pay to one, two, three, five gyms, right? Over the course of the of that kid's career. Right. Right. Parkour, we have none of that. Right. Your right. goal is to make YouTube videos. Right. Your goal is to make your own group. Yeah. Right. There is no major event that kids can see and be like, that's where I want to be. Right. Okay. As a whole. Right. Now, does an end goal only have to be specified to a major event or can it be specified to a defined lifestyle? It or could or be both. both. It right. could be both. Or right? there, there could be a third one too. There, there could be multiple. Owning right? a gym. Let's, let's consider lifestyle to be honest. That, that is a lifestyle. That's a business, right? Right, business, What yeah. you're doing is a business. Yeah. Right? But once again, for not every single parkour athlete that's doing parkour can make a business out of this. Right? You just can't. So now you have uh, right. people who are getting over to those end goals, right? In the, you know, to the parkour community of making it to like whatever championship we make, right? Right, okay. And then they just go like, oh, okay, cool. I made it here. So let me hit you with this one real quick. Do you know that this is how much to, falls to a new social movement? Do you know that word competing in the world chase tag? Yes. Okay, that is one of your answers to a big event yes. that someone can work towards because yes. that could blow the F up. Yes. And that's, and the best part about that is cause it's a team sport. Right. Right. And it is eventually, hopefully it'll wear away at that individual mentality in parkour. Right. Because I feel like because of the newness of parkour, there's a lot of athletes, high level athletes that are making money that still have the mentality of like, no, uh, no competitions. It's going to ruin the sport. This and that, like this whole, you know, this magical aspect of parkour, especially even years ago, like this, Oh, Philo man. philosophical was. this it philosophical really was. crazy viewpoint of parkour it's obviously changed now it's become more of a sport like athlete type thing but because of the people that view it as such a high level philosophical thing it will take longer to get to the point where it's like gymnastics or whatever not saying that parkour fig all that crap gymnastics I'm just saying like the level of it where you have a kid like Paul saying that can work his way up to a big event because there's an end goal for parkour whether it be a big competition or a lifestyle but because there's people kind of like with a different mentality it kind of holds it back so because of I mean so bring it back to what you're saying about how there isn't you know multiple communities or gyms communicating with other states other communities and gyms in other states is because I believe that the newness, uh, you're still dealing with people's egos. It's incredibly difficult to communicate uh, constantly with that. Um, is it possible? Yes. Are people making a huge effort for it? I believe there's some people are. Yes, there is. Yeah. Right? There's a lot of um, coaches, um, like uh, Facebook pages that I can, I'm on right. that are just like, yes, like we're communicating, we're talking to each other, yeah. right? And they'll, they'll try to help each other out. Right. It's amazing, right? Yeah, yeah. But I think they're eventually, hopefully, the big, you know, the bigger parkour companies, right, should be like, all right, once a year, once every two years, let's sit down, right, at a summit, right, and we'll plan about where we can take parkour. So your ideas behind community and, and, and connectivity, if you will, is nationwide. Yes. So do you remember the FLPK days on Facebook? Yes. I wasn't a part of those days, obviously. I started parkour in 2011, so that was... Uh, and because if you watched the um, episode I did with Raul, who was since the beginning, like you did, wow, didn't know that. Raul started in '07 as well, or '06, wow. yeah, yeah. Um, so you know the FLPK days with Facebook page, how there was one guy as an ambassador for one community or county, sorry, in Florida. 
your idea that you're basically saying is that, but blown up to nation level. Pretty much, right? In, in a sense. Yes, pretty much of just trying to get com- uh, money to flow into parkour, mm-hmm. right? That summit would be for um, so that people can talk, so that they can get money to flow into parkour through advertisements, through uh, sponsorships, mm-hmm. right? Saying, hey, look, give us a discounted price on your shoes. We'll sell them here, right? And then you can use some of our athletes in your commercials, right? Mm-hmm. There's a lot of parkour athletes in these commercials now, right? Right. And then... um. Yeah, just trying to get Kim parkour to move in a solid direction instead of all over the place. What it is just hurting cats. And you know, it's crazy too, though. It's difficult with that. Is you know, there is the ph- philosophy mentality of parkour in the European side, and then there's America. That is true. You, you know what I mean? You'll know a lot more about that. There's it's just two different things. I mean, it is two completely different things. What you're preaching right now works for America primarily. European different like the people that train parkour in spain the way they view training something as minuscule as a mentality towards training let alone business or community or gyms is different than here they see it as they don't even say let's go train they say let's go play that's awesome that's what that means let's go play so they don't even see it as like a like for example your idea which by the way is not bad i'm just saying it's different uh of having a kid that's three years old and has like this career to build up to for a parkour event right like gymnastics they don't see it like that. Like that is just not, it's and, different. And once again, that is okay. Right, right. But for America, but no, but building biz- businesses yeah. right, and building the, the positive image of parkour, mm-hmm. we need something positive. Having world chase tag, right. is a big deal. Yeah. Is amazing. Cause why? Cause it's actually called parkour. Right. Yeah. And people are going to be like, Hey, right. That's awesome. Right. I want my kid to do something like that. Where's the nearest parkour gym or chase tag gym. Or chase tag gym. Who right? even knows? Yes, Damn. that I really. I have ideas. Yes, <laughs> I love it. I wish I wish I was still really part of the community because I would have forced st- that issue. You still are. Nah, we'll get to that in a second. But anyway, yeah, chase tag gym, and then the parents will sign up their kid to the chase tag or parkour gym to train for this big event that you're saying, this end goal. So, yes. I mean, I know you have a lot. You, you've clearly just stated a bunch of ideas, um, and it could keep going. Um, if you had to pick one project whether it be the outdoor parkour park the law enforcement thing the connecting all communities nationwide thing defining an end goal for parkour if you had to pick any one of those or more that you haven't mentioned which one would that be right now easy which one uh end goal pick defining parkour's end goal for defining a end goal defining a end goal for parkour yes why it's because once you get there yeah everything else is easier you're very much right. Now, here's the thing. Some people might tell you that the answer to that is FIG, which was the, you know, making parkour essentially gymnastics. It, it would have been if they listened to the community. Right. They did not. Right. right. They want to take the soul out of parkour and make it more into gymnastics because boys gymnastics is not making money. Right. That's why they want. That's why they were so interested into the parkour culture. Right. Right. But then they're just like, no, we're not listening to you. Oh, you keep on present, um, showing ideas. We're not listening. We're not listening. Right. Yeah. That's what that's the reason why I was like, you know what? This is not good. But when I heard about that, I was like, all right, this could be a way. This could be a way to a end goal. So to define the end goal for parkour, it has to come from the parkour community only. It should. It should. Because if not, then we lose the aspect and spirit of parkour. And that whole philosophy that we were talking about earlier. Yeah. Even though it was exaggerated back then, there's still a lot of it. There's still a lot of truth to it now. Um, 
So that would be your first pick as yep. far as like tackling a project. Yep. Because if I could, if if you can make an end goal, yeah, by saying, hey, look, I can get th- a three year old to stay in my business until he's eighteen, right. right? Then I can talk to law enforcement. Hey, look, you want your officers to move semi like that, right? And be safe, and I can reduce your insurance on them. Bam, that's one, right? Right. Oh, look, I can. We can build a short version of the World Chase tag, right? As a park, right? Low level. Um, not a lot of bars right or whatever you want to make it or even an exact replica right so that you know the um, so that kids can train on that yeah cool awesome bam that's another all of it falls into place and boom right there is the professional perspective of parkour that is separated from the skater type vibe athlete brand stuff there's a separation right there that you just said very very interesting and what would be just you know hypothetically your first move to do that what would would be the first thing you would do like right now If I was in my seat or your seat? Yours. My seat, right? Then I would have to support. Right now would be, if I was still the head of, of, of um, all the fucking of the gyms, gyms <laughs> yeah. right? I would have went to World Chase Tag and be like, hey, look, what can I do to, and so that you can, you guys can build a set here, right? Set somewhere in Florida, right? And then have multiple gyms, you know, come and do that. I, I kind of want to do that now. Right. Honestly, I feel like I messed up as a gym leader because I was just like, hey, how I because I should have looked at that. I said the other direction I looked. OK, right? but I should have pulled that in. Right. Because of the because what World Chase Tag is doing is amazing. Their origins, their story. I love it. I love them. We had a video call right? with them. That they're great. Awesome. They're yeah. Right. From everything I sound, they're great. Right. Yeah. But once again, I wish I did. I wish I was like, hey. What can I do for you to come over here and do something here, right? And then slowly work that way out. And that would be your, that would be your uh, primary move towards the goal of defining the end goal for the end point for parkour. Yes, right. For having it, right. Yeah. But once again, there's a lot of politics in parkour. There's a lot of egos in parkour. Different perspectives. Money. Yeah. And there's starting to be a lot of money, and people are realizing that, hey, if I kind of make everything focus on me, mm-hmm. I get more money, right? Because it's a very small pool, right? And then they're just trying to funnel it to a few people, right? Through certifications, through equipment, right? Through advertisements, right? And there, I mean, and also that's because there's people that are really just trying to make money off of parkour. Because like you said, years ago, when you first started, there was no money in parkour. Stuntman. And now that was it. That was it. Pretty much stuntman. That's stuntman, it. Stuntman, and then eventually Ninja like sh- Warrior, and, or like shows. Yep. No, before Ninja Warrior, shows like doing a show. Oh yeah. Um, and so now, what if these people doing these things that you're saying that yes are individualized, like they're individualistic, but that's their answer to the problem that you had years ago, or not you, just the problem that was years ago. This is their answer finally. Like they've worked to the point where they finally did start making money. Uh, with parkour, but it just so happens that it had to be individualistic. There was no way of waiting even longer until it was a communal thing to make money. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Maybe this is the necessary steps in order to get to the point where multiple people can make and money. It, it is, right? Yeah. Like right now we're we're still if we're comparing ourselves to skateboarding, like uh Jess LaFleur is considered the Tony Hawk of parkour. Right? In a way, yeah. That's, that's pretty interesting. But think about it. That's where we are, right? Because yeah. no one knew what parkour was, I mean, uh, what skateboarding was really until Tony Hawk became so big, 
Yeah. Right now we're we're getting there. Every like you put in, you go into the gift section of like Instagram and put in parkour. You're gonna see like five or six gifts of just Lafleur. No way, really. Yep. I mean, he did blow up with those tutorials years he, ago. He really did. Yeah. Right. And then Tempest, of and, course. And it's great, right? Because yeah. it's getting the the name known, and he's honestly doing it in a semi-responsible way. Yeah. Right. Now these goals and these ideas that you've had are going to be difficult to execute, and s- simply just because of the. Um, how young the sport is. Yeah. Is it young anymore? I mean, dude, it just passed. Com- was it in America? Was it came over? Was it 2007? No, earlier. Was it? Was it? I early? think 05. 05? Or yeah, either 04 or 05. Okay. Right. It's, it's gaining, right? It's yeah. But growing, compa- right? compared to your long-term goals, like gymnastics or what have you, which have hundreds of years. Right. That's what I'm saying. Like the, the goals that and ideas that you have, which by the way, excite me too. I would love to see happen. Do you think the progress of that also comes with the maturity of the sport? And has the sport even officially defined itself yet? Yes. I think okay. uh, I think the sport really started to define itself back in like 2016 where everyone was starting to do about the same moves, mm-hmm. right? Around the same time, right? Where that final shift into that sport mentality, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And that safety training, right? Of like no one cared if you did a, a huge move and you looked unsafe. Right back when I started, it was like that was oh, the shit. Yeah, you did a move. Oh, you you look like you kind of hurt yourself. Whatever. Right, you did the big move. Now it's just like no. Right, I love that. Right, as a coach, right, seeing that as like the end goals for my students. Right? Like, hey, you want to be there? Right. right, listen, and we can get you there. Right, right. That's great because you know the kids are like, oh, I'm not gonna get hurt. Right, right. But like, yeah, like so it shifted over into that sport mentality and like what like I said, what you guys are doing what the rest of the uh, community is doing, right, is a great step, right? We, it's just these communities have to work together. And I and I know that once they do that, right, problems that one community is having, another community solved. Wow. So did, did you know parkour was on uh, a TED Talk? Was it? Yeah, back in 2013. Google it. Right? Shit, no, I might have to. Like, the things that already happen, right? Oh, yeah. hold on. So one of the problems with the parkour community is that, once again, those people grow up and then uh, get out of parkour because there's not a lot of money, and then you have a brain dump, right? They might have goals and ideas, right? And then they never you know, worked on them or they start to work on them, and then they left to go to do other things. Now you have a new generation that has to start all over again. From scratch. Yep. And There's no legacy. Keeps walk- yeah. Interesting. We, by the way, side topic, we definitely have to do another episode on just your coaching and, and coaching experience, gym experience, pet peeves, pros, cons. We definitely need to do an episode about that. But to bring everything back around full circle, uh, basically, in order to get to the defining of the end goal for parkour, there needs to be that nationwide community connectivity that you mentioned earlier. Because if not, then if we define right just like in politics right if one group defines hey this is what we're doing yeah right and the other group doesn't listen right or the majority doesn't listen they're not going to follow it right right so everyone has to come together and say what is great for everyone what's the middle ground for everyone yeah and then they can move forward you know it's the, you know i just thought of right now maybe a potential answer to why you know i said why doesn't this gym talk to this gym you said that what if they don't want to that happened. That could be an answer right? where they're just like, we don't want to. We have everything we need right here. That happened. And honestly, to go back into my personal spirit, um, 
like experience. Yeah. Strong. I strong armed gyms, right? What do you I, mean you strong armed? I was at the time in charge of, you know, intensity and in charge of Ninja Lounge, right? And then having Gabe working over at um, at a Weston. Oh, uh, West. Well, at Weston. I was there the first, homeboy. Yeah. Well, but actually, then, no. Daniel Royal was. That's and true. Then it was me. Right. But then, you know, talking to Gabe, I was just like, hey, I want to have this idea of bringing all the gyms together so that no one has clashing events, right? Can you define strong armed real quick, just for my sake? You strong armed it. You meaning like what you like? You were had. I, I give no choice but to listen to me, right? Because I had the majority of the power. And so you were trying to get everybody together. Yes. Yeah, we definitely need to do an episode on that. So you're saying that it's possible that other places are like that, and they don't want to do this like nationwide True. connectivity that but you're saying. If nine out, of, let's say nine out of the ten communities say, "Hey, this is what's going on," and that one community doesn't want to, right? That's okay. Guess what? The majority is going up. All right, Paul, I got one more thing for you that you don't know that I wrote oh, down. Oh, God, no. Will you return to training? I'm actually on, uh, I'm on my way back. Right? Fuck yeah, man. No, hold up, hold up. We got to we gotta do a soundboard. Can, can you say that one more? Wait, wait, don't say it again. Don't, 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 don't wait, 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 wait. Go for it. I'm training again. You are, dude, I wrote down, I was like, he's not going to know this. Will you return to training? Like, and I honestly was initially going to write that down as, will you just return? Like in general, like, will you return question mark? But then I put to training. You got to come out and train with us, man. Yeah. Um, I stopped training because I had a lot of injuries, right? Injuries um, and also life, you, 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 you changed your lifestyle around. Yeah. Right. But like I had, um, knee issues. I had a back issue from the army, right? I was overtrained, overworked. I developed arthritis from coaching. Right. What? How? Do you know how heavy certain kids are? Yeah, lifting I was kids? a coach for three yeah. years. Yes. Do it for eight years of lifting kids. Oh, yeah, you're right. That, that eight-year part kind of hit different. <laughs> right? Wow, that totally made my experience at Weston like a bitch-ass like, comment. Because <laughs> I did a lot at Weston. And you're like, try eight years. I was like, oh. <laughs> yeah, like I was like in pain. Right? So you my developed- shoulder clicked a lot. So oh, I, took a, I took a break and I just, once again, redefined my life. And I'm so much happier now, but like, I just sit there and just go like, all right, cool. I'm healed up. Right. Now I'm, you know, losing weight, training again. Yeah. Right. Uh, getting back into physical shape. And then probably next year, right. I'm going to start training again and doing stuff. No shit. Yeah. I love parkour. You say you're going to start training next year. Uh, I'm currently physically training, like right? working out. Yes. To get my body back into a good parkour shape. Yeah. Then from there, I'm, I'm restarting my training again. Like parkour though, restarting yep. your parkour, parkour training by 2021. Yeah, I'll be right fucking there. I know you are. Yeah, and I and I haven't been training at all recently. Really? I'm not getting into that right now. I could get into it after the podcast is over, but yeah, yeah it's surprising, right? Um, so that is really good news to hear, and I'm excited for that. Tony is probably gonna be excited. Julian too. Oh, so whenever you return to parkour training, you let us know, and we'll be right there with you. Um, I want to end this podcast by just showcasing some more SoFlow stuff to you that you probably don't aren't aware of like real quick let's just do a little storytelling do you know why this cone is here you hit it with a car no so on this uh cone it says city of mount dora um public works department because tony stole it basically hold on now yeah, this is what we're talking about by making parkour look bad you look 
you like food, right? I mean, yeah. You like sushi, right? I mean, yeah. There's a place in Mount Dora called Eight Wave Asian Bistro, and they sell, and I shit you not, Paul, sushi burgers, sushi burritos, sushi tacos, sushi pizza, sushi donuts, sushi crunch wrap supremes, I think sushi hot dogs. Do you want me to keep going? I mean... Sushi yes, fries. No, I'm, I'm a traditionalist when it comes down to sushi. Well, we went over there and we had what was called the SoFlo Foodie Burger. <laughs> you know what? You want to know what it was? Dude, straight up, crap. it was the buns were rice, but they were coated in flaming Hot Cheetos. Ugh. And then the middle piece, the burger part, had seaweed, cucumber, masago, spicy crab, and salmon. And it was a burger this big and it was heavy. And we ate... Have you ever got a carb high before? Yeah. Okay. We ate it. Instantly got a carb high. Looked at this cone. And Tony was like, dude, I kind of want to take that cone. <laughs> so he took it and threw it into my trunk. Oh, and that's why this is here. And the second thing is, I'm assuming, once again, Paul's SoFlo Movement's biggest fan. Okay? He watches us religiously. Watch this. Have you seen our GoPro trailer? No. <laughs> Well, the last thing we're going to do is watch it. It's 50 seconds long. Come on. Why am I being tortured? I'm not, I'm not torturing you, bro. I promise. Oh, no, you are. No, I'm not. Having to watch anything with you in it is torture. <laughs> I'm probably not going to watch this own podcast. <laughs> the one that you're on? Yes. Okay. Now, hang on. Are we doing like a live react to this? Yes, you are. Oh, Lord. Uh, actually, let's do, in let's do inside your headphones. Um but I'm going to lower the volume so it doesn't blow your ears out. Anyway, so basically what happened was is that GoPro, Tony hit up GoPro, and they sent us free GoPro Max, GoPro Hero 8, and then memory card battery and mouth mount to each respective camera for free. And they were like, let's see what you guys got. And we are like, oh, shit, this might be the new thing. So this is the trailer to the full edit that we're releasing on October 14th. So yeah, GoPro just decided to give us free cameras and they were like, we'll see what you guys got. When your freedom is lethal, tell me how you can hurt yourself. You call yourself peaceful. You call yourself peaceful. What'd you think, Paul? Huh? Yeah, I invest in GoPro and I'm pulling my money out. <laughs> you, you, didn't, you didn't like it? I just don't like you guys. <laughs> he says that because he likes it. I hate you guys. He likes the video. No, I really, I really don't like these guys. He thinks the video is great. The more you say that, the more I'm translating it for them. <laughs> hey, we're going to have a plaque in the office of our number one hater, which we will not spoil right now. But then underneath it, it's going to say, and also this guy. And it's going to be a picture of him. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm actually happy with that, though. You actually like that video? No, not the video. The oh, plaque. Damn it. Oh, the plaque. So no, so, no, so no comment about the video. Okay. No. Not, <laughs> not, not even one. You already gave enough compliments in the beginning, I guess. Uh, it's not even the full video. It's just a trailer.
No, I got nothing. All right. Wait. <laughs> nothing. I'm sorry. I'm trying. I'm trying. Um, well. Wait, I do have a comment. Oh, oh, here we go. I yeah, do have a comment. Hit me with it. Who picks the music for these videos? Oh, shit. I knew it. Dude, as soon as the part where it goes, you bar stars are, as soon as I hit, I was like, Paul's going to hate this song. Comment if you like SoFlo's music. Please I, do. I, I, I want to know. I chose the song. I, I chose. He the- has terrible taste, I think. <laughs> I, I want to know what you guys, his audience, think about this. <laughs> it, I chose the song for that one, and I also chose the song for the full five-minute edit. Yeah. Put by the same people. on low. <laughs> just, just go for that. I'm surprised you didn't tell them to put, like, opacity on low where they just can't see anything anyway. <laughs> just shut off your computer. <laughs> so you get the notification that says self movement upload a new video? Turn it off. Um, I actually did. Yeah. What? Have you really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's fair. I, I told t- you. I told Tony I was unsubscribing at, like, video five right, that you guys made and I, and I keep my word you saw the tutorial with julian right, right. <laughs> with the apron in the kitchen you saw oh, that God. shit I dude saw clips of it yeah that was brutal um anyway paul this has been super awesome i think a lot of stuff you said might intrigue some people hopefully they listen um i think you have a lot of good ideas i think there's ideas that should be acted on soon or now and i definitely think we need to do another episode for sure because this was great and you have a lot of you have different talking points and perspective like i told you through instagram when i messaged you to do this then we do so the uh, notice the entire time you mainly talk because you have a lot of good shit to say uh and good ideas and anybody important that could listen to this and be like holy shit i want to do that so anyway yeah all right rebels that's all for today's task to know when the next one is check your at rebel updates on instagram spread the word of the hideout to others so you think can join this movement by sharing this any way you can show your hosts some love by commenting and liking and rating this and show some extra love Write a review and mention this video. Okay. Dislike it. Yep. If you guys get lost along the way, don't hesitate to email us with questions or nudes at the hideout. (laughs) He likes nudes. (laughs) At soflomovement.com. No. Which is okay. No. No. Check soflomvmnt.com for merch and more. Plus, follow other profiles here to stay up to date with whatever we're doing. (laughs) Ticks. We're Rebels of the Cause. Signing off. Transmission complete. That is all today, Rebels. Report back to the hideout next week for your new task. Over and out. Paul, just accept me.